stand. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 4 today. I want to read from Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. We're going to read the first eight verses of Scripture. Mark chapter 4. referring to Jesus it says he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine hearken listen behold there went out a sower to sow and it came to pass as he sowed some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit, that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100. And so from this passage today, I want to talk about the pattern for revival. Now, there is a pattern for revival, and we want to talk about that today. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak through us, uh, speak to us through his word. Could we do that? Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence that is here. We thank you for your people that are here. God, we ask that as the word goes forth, that it would be exactly what it is, a two-edged sword, the bread of life. Let it be light to our soul. Let it not return void today, but let it accomplish in the life of somebody today exactly what you desire. I pray that it would accomplish exactly in the life of every person what you desire your word to accomplish. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive. Let nothing hinder the ministry of your word. Anoint the preaching of your word today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. And I do want to just talk about this today. I want to present it to us. We will have a time of prayer at the end. I heard it said like this recently. I really liked it. You know, we have music and singing, and we have preaching, and then we have prayer. And uh, it's kind of like at the end. That's how, that's how we do it around here. I don't think every church probably does it quite like that, uh, but that's how we do it. You see, there's this kind of like this idea. I heard it communicated like this. The, first, the service is broken up into three parts, and you have worship, word, warfare. That's how they termed it. What that means is, is we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We, we, we invite the presence of God in our midst. Um, and we welcome him and we lift him up with our words and in our heart through singing and words of adoration and all of that. And, um, and then our heart is prepared for the word if we've been worshiping. If we haven't been worshiping, our heart's not going to be prepared for the word. Uh, you can disagree if you want to, but I've been on both sides of the fence. I've, I've been in church, and I didn't worship, and the word went forth, and I was snarky in my spirit. I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking. And 
Uh, well, no, everyone's like, no, that, that's, that's not me. I, I've ne- no, 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 no. If we don't worship, our heart's probably not going to be too ready for the word. Because sometimes the word wants to cut. And sometimes worship is a little bit of like an uh, anesthesia to, to, to cause us to receive it a little bit better because our spirit's right. And so you have worship and word. But then what do you do with what you've heard? Well, sometimes, many times, in my opinion, all the time, it's good to seal that word in your heart at the end of the service with prayer. And if, if it's, it's like if, if you've received the word truly in your spirit, there'll be something in you that kind of wants to pray about it a little bit. I've just, and this is just observations and practice and time and experience. If you're not receiving the word, you probably aren't going to be too keen on praying at the end. Uh, and, and this is just observations. And once again, this is, I've been on both sides of the fence. But once I crossed over onto what I call the good side, uh, I, I, I don't want to go back. I want to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I want to worship God. I want to lift my hands. I want to sing of the goodness of God because that is the thing, Scripture says, will remove the spirit of heaviness from you. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You can't wear both cloaks at the same time. You're either going to wear heaviness or you're going to wear praise. But if you wear praise, it's a decision and you said, I'm, I'm exchanging. I'm exchanging my sorrow for joy. And, uh, you know, I think the people of God, we, we can't afford to get down in our spirit. We feel those things. And sometimes we experience those things. And we have tough weeks or tough days. Or sometimes we come in and we feel a little distracted. But if, if we're mature people of God we know the solution it's Jesus and we ought to run to him with everything in us I need you today Jesus I know that your presence can push out all the problems and in your in your in your spirit can transform my thinking and I can leave here different than how I came I want the people of God to understand and believe that and as the word goes forth we receive it and and then it's time to practice it it's time to seal it in our heart at the end and uh, many times we, I, I've seen people's lives forever changed at what we call an altar call. They, they, they were, they, somebody sitting on the pew the whole service and may have clapped a little and they heard the word and you could tell they were listening. And then at some point they just at the altar call. It's like it's the culmination of it all. And if we wouldn't have had an altar call, they may have just walked out the same way they came. And, and so it's important to practice what we preach. And the first place we practice what we preach is right after we preach. I said we preach. Mix your faith with the word today. Talk back to me. Say amen. I, I believe that. I, I receive that. I expect that. It, it does something for the people of God. There's nowhere in scripture where we, it says we have to be stoic. That's a Greek philosophy. That, that's nothing in scripture. I know some of us are like, what in the world is he getting? I'm, I'm, we, we've kind of let some of the world influences infiltrate the church, but the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord and sing unto the Lord a new song and shout unto God with a voice of triumph and let all God's people say amen. Those things are in the Bible. And uh, so I'll get off my soapbox now and get into the word for a moment, but you know, those are good things. Those are good Practices. I've never left a service where we've uh, we've done all that 
people kind of bought into. I've never left a service where people are like, well, that was terrible. I do not want to experience the joy of the Lord again. This is awful. I'm just calling out the frailty of our human mentality sometimes. We get so caught up in our problem that, that is that big to God that, that you know, I'm not going to. And it's so fascinating that how once the Spirit of God moves and we're open to it, our attitude changes like that or our faith changes. or That ought to open our eyes to how much we need God. We need God. That's why you're here today. There's something in you that knows you need God. And I pray before you leave here today that your mind truly is open. I need God. doesn't matter how long I've known him or how long I've been walking with him. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Which is why I heard a uh, man, a powerful man of God, kind of like a legend, so to speak, in in the Pentecostal movement, T.F. Tenney said, I rarely pray an hour. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this wrong. I've been trying to pray three. I'm like, well. And he said, but I rarely go an hour without praying. And I said, ah, that's what it is. Pray without ceasing. You don't, you don't, I mean, if you, it's good to pray an hour. But, it's better to rarely go an hour without praying. And I've, so with that in mind, when we make these mindset changes, I think it's really where we step into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants to be known, and I want to know him. How many want to know him today? I want to know Jesus. Amen. And so I, I was... Um, I was... Uh, trying to get out and about in the community more and uh because there's a lot of people to reach and i'm like well there's only one way to reach them to go where they are so jesus hung out in the marketplace a lot and so thursday my wife was uh meeting with someone we're working with and she's a phenomenal family and she's meeting with the wife and so i went to a place to uh just get a coffee and study and um i, I started reading from mark four and I, uh, the, the, the parable of the sower, I mean, I've read it so many times and I've, I've taught or preached from it and, and I, I, just, I just felt to read it. And as I'm reading it, uh, I, I'm beginning to see things that I, I'd never seen before. Things I'm aware of, but seeing how the whole picture comes together. And, and I really, I want to share it with us because of what God's been doing in our church the past year. And I want you to know today at the onslaught of this message that you are a part, and this has nothing to do with flesh. This has nothing to do with pride. This has nothing to do with us thinking that we are anybody special. Okay, this has nothing to do with that. But I, it has been confirmed now three times by people that don't know each other really spoken to me and, and I, I'm giving you the cliff notes that there is a great purpose for this church there's something that God desires to do through this church that will impact this Bay Area uh, when I think of that it's very humbling because I know who I am and I hope 
that it would be humbling to you too. But I hope it, that statement would not be met with unbelief or uh, uh, neutral opinion. Eh, we'll see. I, I hope it would do something in your heart to, for your eyes to see what the Lord desires to do. And so because of those things, we can't play games. And prayer, fasting, chain-breaking worship, if you will, darkness-resisting worship, if you will. It's got to be part of the culture of the church. The word of God being preached, the true word of God being preached, the people of God responding to the word with faith and not just listening, but something in your heart agreeing with the word where there's lifestyle changes. That's got to take place in our individual lives and in our families because there's something God is doing because there's something God wants to do. He's looking, and whoever will answer the call, he'll use. And so this pattern of revival we read the story, and Jesus says, a sower went out to sow. The focus of this parable, there's three things. There's a sower, there is seed, and there are four different types of ground. The focus of the parable is not about the sower. The focus of the parable is not about the seed. The focus of this parable is about the type of ground. There's four types of ground. We find here in this that Jesus uh, breaks down the parable for his disciples. He, he, he lists these four types of people or four types of ground. There's wayside, left or right. Wayside, side of the way. Side of the way, that's wayside. And he, he says that the seed fell along the wayside. Now, I'm going to stop here for a moment and interject that this, this, this is something that we as the people of God have got to grasp, that there is no left or right in the church. There is none. You will not find the right and you will not find the left in the church. You will, and, and so I'll... I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll make it even. You, you will not find liberal or conservative in the church. You just find the way. That's what they refer to themselves in the book of Acts, the way. They were followers of the way. Who was the way? Because the way is not an ideology. The way is not a philosophy. The way is a person. They were followers of Jesus. Jesus was the way. Jesus said straight is the gate, narrow is the way. How narrow is the way? It's as narrow as the cross. Because Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so the wayside seed is falling to the left and to the right of the way. And Satan comes and devours the seed. In the parable, it's the birds, and Jesus later expounds, Satan comes and devours the seed. Well, we know that the seed is the word of God. The sower is just somebody sowing the seed. The sower is just somebody preaching or teaching the word of God. And he's just, he or she is just declaring the word of God. And 
the seed will land where it may. There's four different types of ground. We'll get into it in just a moment. But what the seed does on the type of ground it falls on is completely up to the ground. Because the seed can only do in the ground what the ground allows it to do. Well, now, and we may shout in a moment, we may not, but now, in this moment, we find that the seed cannot take root at all because Satan comes quickly and snatches it off of the wayside. Well, if the wayside is a type of a person, that means the moment the seed hits you, it's gone. Have you ever been in a service and you're like, I don't really remember what the preacher preached? Well, there's two reasons. One, it was Satan. Or two, we were on our phone. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really remember what he preached. What's well, the word of God? If we want to hear the word, we will hear the word. Uh, we find another type of ground, stony ground. There's, it, it, it falls onto the ground and it quickly produces. It quickly shoots through the ground because there's no root. So it, has, it can only go up because it can't go down because it's hard. So there's no depth to the stony ground and the only place for the seed if it's going to do anything it's just going to show outwardly but there's no depth inwardly that's what Jesus is saying and that is a sign of stony ground that's a sign of a hard heart Jesus is saying this in this parable there's no root there's no depth and it doesn't last the seed is desperately looking for a place to produce it can't produce on the wayside it can't produce on stony ground But the word, the seed, is desperately looking for a place to be planted. And the sower is simply doing what he's supposed to do, scattering seed. We find a third type of ground, thorns. Thorns, uh, it, 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 it's planted and it produces, but thorns choke it. And so what is growing cannot be fruitful. It can't produce fruit. So it may exist, but it's not fruitful because the cares of this life, the pleasures of this life, and the temptations of lust of different things have choked the fruitfulness out of this plant that's growing. And that's not good either. And Jesus is telling this story. Finally, the sower sows seed on good ground. And some produces 30, some 60, some 100. Finally, the seed, the word, has found good ground. Finally, the seed can do what it's supposed to do in a place where it can be allowed to go deep and then grow up and out of the ground tall and not just grow, but be fruitful. Finally, the word has found a place where it's no longer just trying to make an introduction, but it can actually produce.
produce something. Can I tell you today, that's exactly what the Lord is wanting to do in New Life Church. He's wanting to allow his word to find good ground in the hearts of people so he can do what he wants to do. I believe there are people in this church that desire to have a heart that is good ground for the word. But we cannot allow the word of God to fall by the wayside. We can't filter the word of God through our ideologies. We can't filter the word of God and let it bounce off our hard heart. And we can't allow the cares of this life to spring up like thorns and choke the word of God. If God said he's going to do something, we can't allow the thorns of our past experiences to choke it out I feel the Holy Ghost in this house the word of God is seeking good ground in the people of this church who I believe are good people who I believe want to see the will of God but you've got to allow your soil to receive the word and produce fruit somebody say amen the stark reality of this parable, though, is, is there's four types of ground, and only 25% of the ground mentioned produces fruit. So if we want to take this parable and just drop it like a blueprint in this congregation, which since it's the word of God, we should. If these statistics measure up, there's only 25% of us in the room today that are good ground. Does that convict anybody today? Because the question should not be, well, it's, it, it's definitely them over there. Um, yeah, I mean, no. It should be like, it should be the question when Jesus told his disciples, one of you will betray me. And all of them said, is it me? They weren't looking, oh, it's Judas, all right. Maybe in their mind. But there was something when Jesus said, one of you will betray me. All of them thought, is it me? I want, I want that same mindset to be in us for a moment. That when it says only 25% are good ground, we need to be honest with ourselves. And could it be me? Is there some hardness in my heart that would resist the word? Are, are there preconceived ideas in my mind that would allow the, the seed to fall by the wayside and Satan to take that seed before it can ever take root in me? Are there cares in my life that are really thorns that will choke the word of God from being fruitful in my life? Is it me? Well, the best place to resolve that matter is at the altar. That after the word goes forth, we respond to the word. And we make sure our heart is in alignment with the word before we walk out those doors. That's a sign of a fruitful church. Don't hear the word and walk away. Hear the word and respond to it and say, God, if there's anything in me that would resist your word from accomplishing in me what you desire, I'm asking you now, take it out. Remove it. Uproot every weed. Uproot every thorn. And break up the fallow ground. Because I want to be fruitful in your kingdom. Oh, yes. We've got to be a fruitful people. That's what this city needs. We need to be a fruitful people where love is allowed to grow and joy is allowed to grow and faith is allowed to abound. And 
gentleness and goodness is in abundance in our midst and self-control is not a rare thing but it is a common thing as proof of the work of God's spirit in our life you see there's a difference though between being nice and the fruit of the spirit anyone can smile but it's the fruit of the spirit so you can feel the work of the spirit in their life when you're around them that's how you know there's fruit it's not only because they smiled and said hello how are you do I feel any joy on them do I feel any sincerity of love on them do I feel faith meekness gentleness and I don't want to just produce one of each me personally I'm on a mission to be a large tree producing abundant fruit of all the fruit of the Spirit. Because how else can I help people? How else can I give and help people and still have some for myself and for my family? I, I, I've got to allow the Word of God to work on me and produce in me. But that's not just the will of God for me. That's the will of God for you. If you've been born again of the water and spirit, you're not meant to just be a pew warmer. You are meant to be a fruitful child of God. I ask you today, how is your heart? What is the soil of your life like today? Can you receive the word or are you too filled with cares and it's already being choked out as I preach? Are you too much on the wayside today that the enemy is literally stealing seed as it comes forth to you? What is the condition of your heart today? The good news is, is you can change. You don't have to be stony ground if you don't want to be. You don't have to be filled with thorns if you don't want to be. You don't have to be on the wayside left or right if you don't want to be. The Lord can pick you up and put you back in the way. He can break up and remove every stone. He can take away every thorn. And his spirit can flood your soul. And that hard, dead, dry ground can come to life again. Saturated by the presence of God. And brought to life by the seed of God's word. You can leave different today than how you came you can leave here with joy you can leave here with forgiveness you can leave here with a breakthrough in your spirit in Jesus name will you respond to the word will you hear the word and allow God to do in your life what he wants to do if you will why don't we worship him for a moment It is the will of God for every person in this room to be good ground, but it's up to you. It's not up to Jesus. It's not up to me. It's his word, and I'm just delivering seed today. What you do with it is up to you, and you'll have to answer to God for what you do with that seed. That's why the parable isn't about the seed, and it's not about the sower, it's about the ground. Jesus doesn't say anything about the sower other than a sower went out to sow seed. And then he says the seed went here, the seed went there, the seed went here. And these are the results of the places the seed landed. What will be the result of the word of God in your life today? From this day forward, what's God going to begin to do in your life today? 
What kind of fruit is God going to begin to produce? What kind of anointing is God going to begin to grow in you? What kind of calling is God about to put on your life if you'll receive the word? How is God going to use you in this church from this day forward if you'll receive the word? First step is you got to receive it. We see this as individuals, but we also see this principle and this idea played out in 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 a grand scheme. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I I was reading this parable in Mark 4, and I, all of a sudden, I just realized something. And that this is the thing that jumped out at me that I'd never seen before. It just, and I know it was, I mean, it was powerful. I'm like, I'm sitting out in the middle of the world at this table, and I just want to run around this table and and maybe speak in tongues a little bit, because the revelation of God's word just took over so strong and and I I, uh, I I was like how have I never seen this before but you see there are three things mentioned in this parable as I said there's the sower the seed and the ground and um, but in first Corinthians chapter 3 Paul is talking uh, to the church in Corinth the church in Corinth was very gifted but they were not very fruitful We need both in our church. We need the gifts of the Spirit to operate, and we need the fruit of the Spirit to produce. We need both. You have to have both. Um, Not one or the other, both. But the gifts of the Spirit operate purely and properly in the midst of a fruitful people. And so Paul, though, was talking to the church in Corinth, and he said, "I, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but I had to speak to you like you were carnal. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He said, I had to feed you with milk and not meat because you're not growing the way you're supposed to. So we see that being used in the gifts is not a sign of growth. Fruit is. Fruit grows. Gifts are given. I should teach a class. No, I'm just, uh, it's very simple. Fruit grows. Gifts are given. And Paul, you're not able to bear the meat. You can't handle what I want to say because you're not spiritual. I want to be able to handle what the word of God says. And when the man of God speaks to me, I want to be able to handle what the man of God has to say because God told him to say it. I don't want to be carnal and have to be fed with a bottle. If we have to be fed with a bottle, it's a sign that we're carnal. We're not talking about babies in the church. We're talking about carnal believers. This is what Paul is saying here. He said, you're still carnal. There's envying, strife, there's divisions. He says that some of you are like, I am of, a, I am of Paul. Others, I am of Apollos. I follow this guy. I follow that guy. And Paul makes this statement. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, that's a very powerful statement. Yeah, let's clap. Let's clap for it. It's a good statement. It's the word of God. Clap for it. (laughs) I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. I've heard it said, though, in this, that in, in the history of a church, in the, in the timeline of a church, 
Some, some go in and they plant and others water and God gives the increase as, a, as like uh, the, the process of a church growing. And I understand what they meant, but I don't agree with that. Because you don't wait 10 years to water seed, right? I mean, because otherwise it's going to be a very long time before you see what you planted. So it's not talking about different ministries as in this guy was here 20 years and this guy was here 20 years and 40 years later they had a revival of 200 people like wow we couldn't have like sped that up a little bit here's the deal you plant and you water you plant the seed and then you water it like within a couple minutes of it being planted am i correct on just about every type of you you, you plant a garden break up the ground, you plant the seed, and then very shortly after, you're, you're, you're putting some water on it. Not a lot, but you're putting some water on it. You don't want to drown the seed, but you, you, you need to cause that water to mix with the soil and the seed. And so here's the deal. Planting and watering is not something that's talking about two different ministries on, 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 a, on a timeline Planting and watering is talking about two different ministries and roles at the same time. You, you see, Psalm 126, this, this, is, this is the point. Psalm 126, the, the, the psalmist is, is writing a, uh, a statement where he's sowing and, and reaping. That's what he's talking about. Psalm 126, verse 5, he says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Seed. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing, holding, carrying precious seed shall doubtless, everyone say doubtless. Say it like you believe it, doubtless. Doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's harvest. That's harvest. If he goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, he returns with a harvest of sheaves, doubtlessly. Why? We know that sowing is preaching and teaching the word of God, preaching the gospel. Every person in this room is a preacher because you are able to proclaim the gospel to somebody. The gospel is Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again so that you can be saved. He did it for you. How shall I be saved? Then you tell him how to be saved. Boom. That's, that's preaching. Proclaiming. And you tell them your testimony because they can't argue with your testimony. It's your witness account of what Jesus has done in your life. How are they going to deny that? That's, you can do that. That's, that's planting seed. That's sowing seed. But weeping is watering. The principle of weeping is watering. And when we sow and when we water... When we preach and when we weep, we will doubtlessly 
come back with a harvest. Why doubtlessly? Because Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gives the increase. And if we will plant and we will water, there will be a doubtless increase because God is the one who gives it. Now, what does this look like today? We know that sowing is preaching and teaching the word. It's the word of God. But a church is incomplete without prayer warriors. Everyone should pray. Everyone ought to pray. However, not everyone is an intercessor. It's bottom line. Not every, you, you, you can't have, that's it, it, not even part of how it's supposed to be. Those, that is a calling, that is a gift that God puts on somebody to do it. And when um, intercessory prayer becomes more prevalent in a church, you know you're getting closer to a harvest. Because every Sunday, every Wednesday, and a couple other days throughout the week, me and, and uh, I think a couple other people in this church and hopefully a lot more in the near future, we're sowing seed. We're teaching, we're preaching the word of God into the lives of people. But that is not going to produce anything until water touches the soil and the seed. What is this? I'm, I'm not talking about a natural thing. I'm talking about a spiritual thing. It's when the people of God come together, everyone is welcome to pray. Uh, the, the call and challenge is for everyone to pray. But I, the, the, the forefront of the prayer team, if you will, the spearhead of it are those intercessors and prayer warriors that God has specifically called. He puts something in them that they weep more naturally than others. They're in this church. They're not hidden, and they're not supposed to be hidden. They'll start praying, and they'll begin to weep and pr pray in the spirit and you feel something begin to fill the room that is the role of an intercessor and this church is 100% open to that God has brought them to this place God has called them to this place why because we're doubtlessly about to return with sheaves and we're doubtlessly about to return with a harvest with great joy so what this looks like then is over the past year, we have went uh, from uh, one intercessor, who's my wife, to several have risen up. It's like God just said, boom, you're doing this. And God has called other people to this church, and they have the gift of intercessory prayer, if I'd call it like that, an anointing to weep and pray and and. Uh, and pray things to pass. And there are other people in this church that anointing is on you and you are either not aware of it or you are aware of it and you're scared to yield to it. Whatever it may be, I pray that very soon, even today, the Lord would confirm in your spirit what he's calling you to do because the church needs people to sow and the church needs people to water. And when we do that, God will give the increase. It, the scripture does not say as soon as Zion sows, she shall bring forth children. It says as soon as Zion travails, she shall bring forth children. We've been sowing. We've been planting. This Bay Area is 
covered in seed. Their Bay Area is covered in dead seed. What do I call that? I've had people tell me, oh, there's thousands of prodigals on the East Bay. It's time for the water to touch that dead seed and bring it back to life. It's time for them to come to themselves and say, I need to get back to the Father's house. But there's got to be a people in New Life Church who are willing to weep and water the seed that has been sown for decades. And when we do that, there will be a harvest. Oh, that's why in one year, in one year, it's about a one-year anniversary, actually, that we put together a focused prayer team. And we instantly began to see God break things in this church and open doors. And people started coming. And there was a new liberty in the spirit. Why? Because we went to God in prayer. And then the beginning of this year, we opened up Monday nights to Monday night prayer. And there has been a faithful attendance every single Monday since the beginning of this year and you're beginning to feel the swelling of the river God is beginning to do something people are coming together on a Monday night and they're weeping what are they weeping for? They're weeping for your lost loved ones they're weeping for the lost souls of this city, they're weeping for prodigals who have walked away from God and guess what? God's beginning to bring them back to the Father's house. Why? Because we've been sowing, but we've also been weeping, and now God is about to give the increase. It is the pattern for revival. We need to fast. We need to pray. We need to preach the word. And then we need to do it all over again. We need to fast. We need to pray. And we need to preach the word and do it all over again. And the book says that God will give the increase. If you feel the call to intercessory prayer, you feel something in your spirit that when the Holy Ghost begins to move, you want to open your mouth and you want to begin to weep and you want to begin to travail in the spirit. You need to yield to that. You need to surrender to that. You don't need to allow the enemy or your insecurities keep you from yielding to that. God is using you to water the seed because there is a great harvest that is coming to this church. There is a great spiritual awakening that is going to sweep through this city. But there's got to be people that will pray. Lift your hands in this house. Lift your voice in this house. And why don't you begin to pray right now? Pray over your family. Pray over this church. Pray over prodigals. Pray over the lost people in this city. Draw them, Jesus. There's been seed that has been sown for years. Let it come to life in good ground. Oh, lift your voice right now. Pray. This is the pattern for revival. There is no other way. There is no other uh, pattern. There is no other plan. So, water, and God will give the increase. These altars are open. If you want to consecrate yourself to the Lord, if you want to take some things to God in prayer, why don't we practice the word now? Why don't we gather around this front and let's pray as a church body for the future of this church. 
And as you come, come with your voice lifted. Come with your heart yielded to the Lord. And allow His Spirit to do through you what He desires. There are giftings and callings on people's lives in this room.